Welcome to Law Technology Now with host Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of ALM's award-winning magazine, Law Technology News. Hear the latest about technology for the legal community. If it's tech, it's a topic right here. Hi, I'm Monica Bay. Welcome to the December edition of Law Technology Now. Uh, We have a terrific program for you today on the subject of project management with our guest, Stephen Levy, who is the principal of Lexition Consulting in Seattle. And just a reminder, as always, you can find Law Technology Now on the Legal Talk Network at, surprise, surprise, www.legaltalknetwork.com. You can find it on ALM at www.lawtechnologynow.com. And you can also find it on iTunes. I'm in New York today, and our guest is, I assume, in his hometown of Seattle. Is that right? I am indeed, where it is, as you might assume, raining. Oh, that's true, but it's but you have better weather than we do on the East Coast, so I will not allow you to complain. And yeah, you've got a better is, baseball team. Yeah, yes, we do. <laughs> uh, Stephen is a longtime uh, writer for Law Technology News. And uh, Stephen, tell our listeners before we dive into your December cover story, what you used to do for Microsoft and what you now do at your, um, le- I'm going to butcher it, Lexition. Did I get that Lexition. right? Consulting. Lexition rhymes with magician. And what I used to do for Microsoft uh, was quite a number of things I was there for the better part of two decades. But uh, in in legal, I was the head of uh, their legal technology and operations department, where we helped uh, drive efficiency and and improvement into one of the world's largest legal departments, saving many, many millions of dollars annually via uh, technology and smart processes and so on. I also ran some product groups there and uh, served in Microsoft Consulting for a while. Right now with Lexition, I am largely teaching legal project management to law firms and law departments and helping them become a little bit more efficient and somewhat more productive uh, doing some of the things that they're already doing, but doing it better. And that leads us right into your article, Align Your Allies, When Stakeholders Feel They Are Heard, Resistance Lowers. Um I think anyone in the legal profession and the publishing profession has become intimately familiar with project management, um, and the reaction to it can be positive, negative, or absolutely neutral. And in your lead, you start about you start talking about how IT projects can sometimes die beneath one elephant-like stomp, but that more often the projects die because they get nibbled to death by ducks. Uh, Tell us what you mean by that, and then we'll talk about how to avoid either form of mortality ending. When projects fail, they generally fail, uh, especially when you don't understand immediately why they fail, they generally fail from the accretion of small problems. Uh, often, there are changes, very small, subtle changes to the work that you're doing, to the direction, to the requirements that were never really planned, were never really discussed by anyone, that seem fairly straightforward. But the accretion uh, is just is, is such that it becomes a heavy load on the project. It's when projects fail. 
in a big way. Everybody knows it. Some, something big happens as a major change, uh, a, a dramatic shift, and everybody says, okay, I get that. I, either we can deal with it or we can't, but we know what the cause is. We know what happened. We're going to go ahead. However, when projects receive change upon change upon change, they get strung out. They often wind up delivering something other than what the customers or clients asked for. They make people unhappy. You get to the end, you deliver something, which is like most IT projects, somewhat later and perhaps less fully featured than you expected. And everyone is unhappy. And you look back and say, well, that was a pretty miserable experience. What can we learn? And you look at each other and you say, well, I'm not quite sure. And part of the problem is that change management is something that is observed more in the, uh, or, or, you know, in, more in the breach than the observance, as, as uh, I just butchered some Shakespeare here. <laughs> but it is either, you know, people tend to go either of two ways on change management. Either they get really restrictive about it, and Freud had a pretty good term for that that I will, uh, I will skip, but they get really restrictive about it, saying, no, no changes, there can't be any changes. And that's almost a certain cause for failure because very few IT projects, especially in the legal world, can exist without changes because you cannot get it all right from the start. The customers don't know exactly what it is they need. Uh, there, there's too many unknowns. There's not enough ability to uh, you go into a room and you say, well, I like this room, but I want it green instead of blue. But there isn't often the equivalent on an IT project. Uh, the other end of it is people don't take account of changes and changes just creep in, often early on in the project. I mean, it's not that they're creeping in the last minute and, 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 and messing things up. You usually catch that. But changes creep in at the beginning. You've, you've agreed with the customer, we're going to attack problem X. And the moment you do that, stuff starts changing. You look at it and say, well, you know, we really don't know how to build that. We're not quite sure how that's going to work. Or... Well, we didn't talk to those users. We we better talk to them because they need to be uh, effective users of the system. They need to be supportive. Uh, or uh, we didn't allow quite enough time, or we forgot that this developer was going to be yanked off onto something else. And so, well, we got to bring in some other people. We got to plan around it. And that was the only guy who knew how to do this. And so we're going to change it a little. And that's how projects go to die. It's if you ever been to a duck pond? You feed the ducks and. They come up with their little yellow bills, and they nibble on your fingers, and it's sort of cute, and it doesn't really hurt. And that's what project changes are often like. They don't seem to hurt. They're maybe cute little yellow bills, but you know, three or 400 ducks after a while could do a fair amount of damage. Now, you used a term, Stephen, that I like to think I'm pretty articulate, but I actually had to look up in the dictionary, which was accretion. Can you explain to their audience uh, what that word means? Yeah, it, it's used uh, technically, it, it comes, uh, I'm not quite sure what the, the etymology is, but I learned it in the sciences, uh, the way that sh- seashells build up or coral reefs build up uh, just a little bit at a time. You've got, uh, you know, even the way snowflakes build, you have a little nucleus and more water gathers around the nucleus and freezes. And eventually you've got from this, these few molecules, you start building this, you know, molecular, molecular scale, pretty good sized snowflake, which... You get enough of them together, and you paralyze the city. So okay. accretion in the uh, in the project management world is somewhat similar. It's you start out with X, and you just slowly wind up with this other stuff covering X or encapsulating it or surrounding it or adding to it things that you didn't necessarily plan. 
but it's all the very, very small, almost molecular changes that you see in the aggregate. You look back and, wow, that is a lot of changes from where we started, but you don't necessarily see them on a day-to-day basis as they happen. Well, that's a good explanation. So let's go into some of the um, suggestions that you've made on how IT leaders, and not just IT leaders, but you know, members of the legal profession, can work together to avoid either the being nibbled to death by the ducks or stomped on by the elephants. Um, and the first thing that you talk about, which we, we talked about, the idea that you can't prevent change and you don't want to completely forbid change. But what are the techniques that IT leaders and, and, and legal professionals can use to manage change when you're doing an IT project? The single biggest one is communication, just talking, letting everybody know what's going on, uh, making sure that people feel when they have a reason to suggest a change. And this can be anywhere from the developer at an algorithmic level to, uh, you know, to, to a, a, a sponsor over on the business side uh, who just you know, catches you in the hallway. Whenever there is any sort of change that is contemplated, people should be willing to talk about it. Don't feel that either you have to sneak it in. Don't feel that it's going to be rejected. Don't feel that you just go do it. But talk about it. Now, I don't necessarily mean you're going to put together this formal, massive change agenda, but the open communication, not so much of the change itself. I mean, that's important, but also of the why. What are we getting wrong? Most changes come about because you've, you've either done something that didn't match expected reality or because you didn't un- you've learned more about the problem uh, as you go along. And most problems are like that. You learn more about them as you dig into them. Uh, and the more people are communicating up and down the chain, up and down across the project uh, about what the end vision is supposed to do. What is this thing supposed to do? What is it supposed to serve? Who are the customers? Who are the users? Who needs to get what out of this? If that open communication is continuing, then people will feel not only that they're empowered to talk about the change, but there will be a context for it. So the developer has a context for, I've got this algorithmic problem. I, well, okay, now I understand what the system is actually supposed to do. I have some idea of what the users want to get out of it. I can then suggest some ways that we can get around this that will make sense, not only for me, the, the programmer, but for the users. Uh, you know, all the way from the, uh, the sponsor being willing to say, well, you know, we thought we were going to do this Everything had to align to our fiscal year, but the reality is we actually needed to align to the calendar year. And I was afraid to mention that, or I didn't think that was a big deal. And I thought it's, you know, all of these things are the kinds of, uh, of little changes that sometimes big changes that can sink uh, projects. So talking about it, number one, having a context, number two, if everyone understands the vision, everyone understands where we are trying to go with this project. Who are the users? Who's the customers? What is, what is the business need that is being addressed? What is the change that this will make to the business? How will this affect the players involved? If everybody understands the, the who and the why and, and, and the what, then the changes can get discussed in the context. And many of them, in fact, will either uh, drop out because they don't apply uh, to the vision. They don't really directly affect the, uh, the people who need to use this uh, the solution. Or 
they will become integral to it. They'll become uh, much more easy to incorporate because, again, you've got a context. You know where they fit. It is not some random, let's change X, and all of a sudden Y and Z downstream also change because somebody didn't really have the context when they went in and changed X. And, Stephen, you talked you talked in your article, and, and I think, all you've been saying now kind of wraps into this, the idea that the stakeholders have to buy into the process. And Absolutely. You, have a good, you have a good line in the article about getting buy-in requires both education and negotiation. What can you do either as a project manager who perhaps is encountering resistance or as a stakeholder who may feel railroaded in the process? What are some tips you can give on how both sides of that equation can um, come to some resolutions and move the project forward. You've, you've mentioned some already, but what would be the next step? Well, this is a particular problem in the legal arena because attorneys feel that they've got the one right way to do things and that what they do is special, and developers feel that they've got the one right way to do things and what they do is special. And it's really easy for those two groups to wind up butting heads without really being aware of it, not in the sense of, of overt conflict, but just talking past each other. Uh, there needs to be mutual recognition that there are long-term experienced professionals on both sides. Attorneys have gone to school for you know, seven years of, of college uh, plus the years that they've been in practice. Developers uh, often have gone to school for you know, five or six years of college, sometimes more, uh, plus all the years that they've been in practice. They are both professions. They are both extremely detail-oriented, requiring a specific set of skills, and the recognition that we are two professionals talking to each other, even though we are talking a different language, is the first step. Then you get the language barrier, the fact that people are talking a different language, and I think this is a place where the project manager first of all, it has to be the, the babblefish, the, the translator between the two, but where it is incumbent upon IT to learn the language of business. I don't think it is necessarily reasonable or particularly useful for attorneys to learn the language of IT. I think this is an IT task, is to understand the business they serve, understand what it is that attorneys do, not understand the substantive issues of the law, but understand, in, in a sense, the form, the, 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 uh, the structure of what it is that attorneys do or, or what any of their customers do, and that then enables a real conversation around goals and, and aims and, and vision and uh, desired results rather than around this feature specifically. You can't talk about features out of context. That's a really easy way to get into trouble without realizing how you're getting into trouble because features don't exist without a context. We have to stop for a quick break to uh, hear a word from our sponsors, but we will be back shortly with some more concrete tips on how to get your project completed. I'm Monica Bay. We'll be back shortly. Interested in having a show on Legal Talk Network? We'd like to talk to you about building your firm's marketing strategy with legal podcasts. Give us a call at 781 781- 551-9960. That's LegalTalkNetwork.com. Legal Talk Network has been producing award-winning legal podcasts since 2005. Subscribe to our RSS feed and start downloading today. It's free. Someone's at the door. Don't answer it. Why not? 
I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, I need to do that too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegalEdCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. Perfect. I'll do that right now. And we are back. I'm Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of Law Technology News, and our guest today is Seattle's Steve Levy, who is the Principal of Lexition Consulting and a former head of Microsoft's uh, legal operations. And Stephen, we're talk- we've been talking about, about how in project management you can create bridges from the stakeholders to the leaders and listen well to each other. But in your article in our December issue, you drilled down into some very specific uh, recommendations on on how to how to succeed at this. And we only have about five minutes left, but um, let's walk through a couple of your recommendations. And we may be repeating a little bit, but it bears repeating. Uh, tell us a little bit more about encouraging early changes in the process. Well, everybody in IT will tell you that changing something early is a lot less expensive than changing it late. Uh, the later you change it, the more interdependencies are, there are, the harder testing becomes, uh, the more likely it is that something else in the program that was tied to the former uh, way you did it is going to break. So getting it early is critically important, especially in terms of workflow. Now, workflow really Think of it as what the users see, how the users go through the program. If you get the workflow wrong, that is really, really difficult to change uh, later on. Use things like paper prototypes, just really little pieces of paper that say, these are the menus, these are the screens. Help walk through this. Does this do what you want it to do? Don't worry about what's going on underneath, but just, okay, I, make, I want to do this step. Now I want to do that step. Now I want to do that step. Does that make sense? Can you understand what's on the menus? If you can get that right early on, that will often help you solve a lot of the underlying structural and algorithmic problems within the program and save you a lot of money versus trying to fix this stuff later. Now, another tip that you suggested is to deliver incrementally. Tell us a little bit about what you mean by that. If you can deliver the functionality in multiple versions, uh, version 1 has the core functionality, version 1.1 has some fixes, version 2 has some additional requested functionality, and so on, you'll gain a couple of things. First of all, you'll get stuff in the user's hands earlier, which will make them happier, which will make you happier. Uh, it will also get you very much earlier feedback on things that you do need to change, on things you got right and things you didn't get right. Uh, but also, it will convince the users that you are on their side. What often happens is with a project that's going to deliver in a big bang, the user's CIT is saying, well, these guys are never going to deliver it, and they're only going to get one version. So everything I ever want has to go into that one version, which, of course, is a recipe for failure. Uh, however, if they understand that this is an ongoing process, that they'll be, if I don't get it into the July version, well, I'll get it into the November version, or I got a shot at the, uh, the February version. That builds a rapport, builds trust, and it builds continuity among the teams. And even though you may wind up with the same amount of code in February after three versions instead of just one, you know, if you delivered one big one in February, you'll wind up with better code that's, uh, that really is more responsive to what the users need, and you'll have happier users. 
Well, Steve, we could easily talk for a whole other hour on this, and I would encourage our listeners to take a look at your wonderful article. It's in the December issue of Law Technology News, and they can find that online at www.lawtechnologynews.com. Uh, Steve, if someone wanted to reach out to you, um, what's the best way to contact you? Um, Stephen.Levy, S-T-E-V-E-N dot L-E-V-Y at Lexician.com, L-E-X-I-C-I-A-N, rhymes with magician. Stephen, thank you so much for a very enlightening session, and uh, I'm sure our readers will be anxious to read more. Um, I want to give a special shout-out to our New York team, including producer David Jasper and Jill Winwer. In Boston, it's Luann Reeb, Scott Hess, Mike Hockman, and Kate Kenny at the Legal Talk Network. Uh, remember, there's no crying in baseball or technology. I'm Monica Bay, and we will see you next time on Law Technology Now. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Law Technology Now is produced by the broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening. Join Monica Bay for next month's podcast on the technology issues affecting the legal profession today.